How much is it Oklahoma and how much is it Oklahoma's opponents? That's a question I'm struggling with entering Bedlam. The Sooners have played their best football of the season in the last three games, all three convincing wins. Yet all three wins came against three of the four worst teams in the Big 12. Baylor, the odd man out. OU plays them to end the season. Now, after an off week, the Sooners face their toughest test of the year, Oklahoma State. Watching the Cowboys in 2020 has been a bizarre task for me because I can't tell if Oklahoma State's defense is really, really good or if it's just a lot better than what we've seen from Oklahoma State in the past, but the Big 12 just doesn't have very good offenses anymore. If the latter is true, Oklahoma should be able to score many more points on OSU than Cowboys fans are expecting this week. OSU hasn't seen an offense anywhere near as good as Oklahoma this year. There's not really anyone who's comparable now that Ramondre Stevenson is back in the mix. Stevenson makes OU's running game effective again. For the first five games, the Sooners were about as one-dimensional as they were in the second half of the 2019 season, just in reverse. Now the playbook is wide open for the Sooners, and Lincoln Riley has been messing around and having fun the last two games. But unlike when his offense faced Texas Tech and Kansas, I think Riley's going to know that he's not going to be able to call whatever he wants free of consequences Saturday night. Because if the Cowboys' defense is actually really, really good, Spencer Rattler is going to be under a little bit of pressure more often than any of us Sooners fans are expecting this week. Now, there's a reason Oklahoma is a touchdown favorite. Like pretty much every year, the Sooners are simply a better football team, as well as they should be. Just look at the recruiting classes year in and year out. So I'll remind you all of what I said after OU beat TCU in a ho-hum fashion a little less than a month ago. If the way the Sooners played in that TCU game is their baseline standard of play for the rest of the season, OU's not going to lose another game. I stand by that. And as I expected, the Sooners have improved week to week since that win in Fort Worth. But I ask again, how much of what we've been seeing is the Sooners and how much of it is just who they've been playing? This is a really intriguing matchup. I think I know how this game's going to go, but I'm happy to be persuaded. Perhaps Grant and I will be on different sides when we break it all down. Let's do it. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Down three scores, 8.40 to go on fourth and one. It's Hubbard, and he stops short. Bonito and Murray both in there. And with 8.36 left to go, Oklahoma takes over on downs. That was one of three fourth down stops OU's defense got in last year's Bedlam win. No Spencer Sanders, no Tylen Wallace. The Sooners went into Stillwater and picked up a workmanlike 34 to 16 victory. What's going on, everybody? I have very little interest in doing anything but talk about Saturday's game, so no need to beat around the bush this week. Let's go ahead and say hi to Grant right now. Grant, what's going on? Uh, nothing much. Uh, just proofreading your script here. I had to change uh, Spencer Sanders's, or I had to change Drew Brown's name in there to Spencer Sanders before we hopped on. So uh, that was a little typo that you missed in there. Otherwise, you would have said, no Drew Brown, no Tylen Wallace. The Sooners went into oh. Stillwater. Yeah, you originally wrote Drew Brown, and I had to change that in there. 
So, yeah, clearly Are you gaslighting you're just, me. I think you're I think you're gaslighting me. I don't I do you know what that word means? No way. I don't think no so. No way I would ever make that mistake. I think that you're saying that I did that just to make me think I'm going crazy. No, not really. I just I you know, I I definitely did uh withhold that information while we were chatting before the show started just so that I could drop it on you right here so that you couldn't <laughs> didn't have any time to think about it. So, you're All welcome. Right. All right. All right. Well, thanks. Um, so yeah, I mean, let's, let's try to streamline this episode as best as possible. Let's dive right on in. No, uh, no game last week, obviously. So all we have to talk about is Bedlam. Uh, you've watched a healthy amount of Oklahoma State so far. I have watched, uh, I wouldn't say a healthy amount. I'd say a, a, a decent amount of Oklahoma State. So, you know, hopefully our takes today are just ironclad and bulletproof, and let's start with this. I think the most intriguing matchup on Saturday will be when Oklahoma's offense has the football and Oklahoma's defense is on the field. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so perfect. Let's start there then. Then I think, like, let's talk about the, like, real quick, let's go over my opening take a little bit. Uh, I'm asking a question. One, you know, how much is Oklahoma's play recently just because they're becoming really good? at football this year <laughs> or how much of it is the teams they've been playing and then also I want to know kind of your thoughts is Oklahoma State's defense uh, really really good this season or is this defense just like a better Oklahoma State defense than we've seen in a long time because normally Oklahoma State's defense is not that good but also the Big 12 on offense is just kind of down this year, not very good. So uh, I'll let you decide on where you want to begin. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll answer your first question about, you know, is is OU's four-game winning streak more of a product of their schedule or, or, or more of a product of them just playing better or playing well? And, I mean, not to, you know, not to toe the line here, but it's a little bit of both, I'm sure. I mean, of, of course, you know, they're going to look a lot better playing against Texas Tech and Kansas, two teams that are are just are bad football teams. I don't really think there's anything else we can say about that. Um, you know, if Texas Tech isn't the second worst team in the conference, they're they're probably the the third worst team in the conference behind Baylor and Kansas. Um, we all know about Kansas. I think TCU is probably a little bit better uh, than people are getting them giving them credit for. I know they haven't been super impressive this season, uh, but they have they have a bit of a higher ceiling than I think a lot of those teams in the in the bottom half of the Big Twelve. And uh, I, I also think they have the best defensive back in the conference as well, Trevon Morig. Um, so I, I think OU's win over TCU, I think, is still the most impressive of, of their last four uh, games. But yeah, you know, I, I don't know. Um, we've had two weeks now to kind of ruminate on their last game against Kansas. And I don't know, but like there's, there's a bit of doubt kind of creeping into my head. It probably has a lot to do with us just not seeing them for the last couple weeks. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, just a week ago on this podcast, I was talking about how terrible Kansas was and how we literally can't gather anything or take anything from that game. Um, so I don't know. How are you feeling with with those two, with those two questions? Um, I, I actually do think it, Oklahoma's getting really good. Um, and they've done exactly what they were supposed to do against those three teams. Um, they they kind of just messed around with Kansas and still you know beat them by 100 points. Uh, Texas Tech, I, I really thought Lincoln Riley was going for the jugular in that game, 
from the beginning. And I think, uh, well, it was confirmed basically that uh, they were because Spencer Rattler, after the game, talked about how they wanted to go out. And, and I think, was it, uh, I can't remember his actual quote, but it was, maybe it was something like he wanted to embarrass somebody or he really wanted to, to blow somebody out. Are you pl- you're talking about Kansas or Texas Tech? Tech, 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 Texas okay. Tech. Uh, I mean, Kansas, yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, they they knew they were going to beat him by a lot, but uh, but Tech they went out and you know once they got Ramondre back, I think that uh, the offense and Lincoln Riley is he just wanted to open things up, and he's done that the last two games. I uh, wish he would have been back. I'm, I'm sure you know he he would have loved to have Ramondre back for TCU because that would be now you know three games where he could have really opened up opened up the playbook with Ramondre Stevenson. So I actually do think that it's more Oklahoma improving the offense coming around uh, the defense getting better getting their confidence up than it is the opponent so I, i'd probably give it a i'd say it's like a a 65 35 oklahoma's actually getting a lot better as opposed to um their opponents have been so bad when it comes to oklahoma state's defense though as you shift gears to that See, this is a tough one for me as well, as I talked about. I, and I think we're on the same page on this one, and Oklahoma State fans are not going to be happy with this, but I, I tend to think that it's more of Oklahoma State's defense is good. It's a good defense this year, but, it, but it's, it's just a better defense than normal for Oklahoma State, but mostly the Big 12 as a whole is, is down. Is not, I mean, there's not a lot of good offenses in this conference right now, and Oklahoma State's normally one of the best offenses in the conference, and Obviously, they don't have to play their own offense, and they're a little bit down this year. Uh, they haven't seen Oklahoma yet. Uh, Texas's offense is always considered, you know, one of the better ones. But I think Texas's offense is, I mean, relative to what they're supposed to be, it's not that good. It's not very good. Iowa State's offense is fine, but Brock Purdy has had a bad season, and Oklahoma State got West Virginia very early in the year. Before I think West Virginia's offense with Jarrett Deggy started to start, you know, started to click and play a lot better. So I don't know if they've seen really anything very good. On the flip side, though, Oklahoma's defense also hasn't seen anything that great either. So uh, I, I do think it's a, it's a, a lot of maybe both defenses. Honestly, it's, it's kind of a product of the Big 12 offensively being pretty far down this year. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't necessarily, you know, fall into the the same trap a lot of people do with Oklahoma State's defense. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think they're a good defense. This is a good college defense. However, when I watch them, I'm not blown away by a ton of ability. I, I don't. I, I I really don't see a, a ton of athleticism and a ton of a ton of NFL ability on that defense. What I see is experience. What I see is guys who are in the right place a lot of the time. What I see is a defense that, that for the most part, really resembles a really good Bill Snyder defense, for the most part. That's, that's what I see there, with a couple of guys sprinkled in who are NFL guys, like, uh, like Agbong Baniga and Roe Williams, who I think are NFL guys. Um, everyone else, I think the, que- the question is out on that right now. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think their defensive performance this year has a lot to do with the Big Twelve being down and then just not playing a lot of great defenses. It has a lot to do with them not playing Oklahoma yet. Um, if Oklahoma has a game plan that was similar to last year's Bedlam game, I think OU's offense is going to be able to have their way with Oklahoma State. Um, I think when because I, I I don't think Oklahoma State has seen anybody yet um, who is anywhere close 
to Ramondre Stevenson, anywhere close to Theo Weiss or even Marvin Mims to this point. Um, you know, and we've seen it. We, we've seen it a lot with Oklahoma State. They've come into Bedlam with with some pretty decent defensive accolades, some some good stat numbers, good no uh, sack numbers, tackle for loss numbers, and those look a whole hell of a lot worse after they're done playing Oklahoma. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of different ways this game could go, and we're gonna get you know more into it. But uh, yeah, we're we're gonna f- we're gonna find out and learn a whole lot about Oklahoma State's defense and OU's offense as well. Um, because you know this th- this is going to be the best defense you know OU's offense has gone up against this season. But uh, I think there's I, I think there's quite a bit more openings there uh, to score a whole bunch of points and rack up a whole bunch of yards than than a lot of people I think are willing to to grant in this situation. Uh, yeah, I think that's for the most part well said. I, I will say just to be fair to Oklahoma State's defense. They have seen Brees Hall, and I think Brees Hall is a really good player. I, I think Ramondre Stevenson's probably a better player than Brees Hall. Yeah, uh, yes. But, uh, but, but Brees Hall is, I think he's a really good player, and, and he's going to get a chance to play at the next level, definitely. We'll, we'll see how good he is. I don't know, but he's definitely a guy who will get a shot in the NFL. Brees Hall also had a very good game against Oklahoma State's defense. Uh, he broke off a really big run early in that game. He averaged... I think he averaged nine yards a carry against I think Oklahoma he had, State in that game. He had two runs of over sixty yards in the game. Okay, so it was it, it oh, was kind of an all or 60? nothing. All right. It's kind of an all or nothing thing. The okay, it was yeah that game was weird. Only, the game was really weird. Okay, all right, so it was a it was all or nothing. Okay, very interesting. Okay, so outside of two carries. It sounds like they did pretty well against Brees Hall. All right. Yeah, but I mean, I, I wouldn't say that they were dominating him or like, I mean, they were just, they were doing a good job of outside of his two really long runs. They were doing a good job that he was only getting a yard here, two yards there. Um, that was an interesting game. That was, that, that game was mostly even uh, for the most part. Uh, Iowa State just kind of stalled out in the red zone a couple times. They missed some field goals. Uh, that that was a game where where both teams were really prepared and, and definitely understood what each team wanted to do. That was if you haven't gone back and rewatched that game, that's a really good kind of X's and O's football chess match. If you want to go back, yeah, I only made it through a quarter of that one before we had to had to get going here, so I, I was not able to watch that one all the way through. But uh, uh, thanks for the uh, clarification on Brees Hall. So let's let's get into some some questions we have for this matchup when Oklahoma's got the football. And the first one is, what is Oklahoma's biggest advantage when they have the football over Oklahoma State's defense? And uh, I'll go first. I'll, you know, I, I think it's probably Spencer Rattler, but, you know, since Rattler is always Oklahoma's biggest advantage uh, because he's, he's obviously one of the best quarterbacks in college football, just for the sake of argument, I'll go with Ramondre Stevenson for this question. I think that, uh, and this kind of goes with what you were talking about a moment ago, I, I, I do agree. I think Ramondre is going to be able to find some yardage against Oklahoma State's defense. Uh, mentioned Brees Hall. He had a big game against them uh, on a day, and that was a day when Brock Purdy you know, completed barely 50% of his passes or so and threw for 160 yards. So kind of a one-dimensional Iowa State team there, and Brees Hall was still able to break off some big runs. Uh, in the Texas game, I was able to watch that one all the way through. Uh, when Texas ran the football against Oklahoma State with its running backs, they were actually able to find some decent success in that game. And no one's going to 
accuse Texas of being a team that can run the ball well early at all, especially with its running backs. Uh, you look at that box score, the K-State game, which I did not get a chance to watch very closely. I saw that they must have keyed in on Deuce Vaughn quite a bit because Deuce Vaughn didn't really do anything in that game. But the quarterback, Will Howard, had a big game running the football. We know that Spencer Rattler is not really a guy that's going to beat you with his feet like over and over again, kind of like Howard is. But, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that, that K-State was able to neutralize Deuce Vaughn. Granted, K-State didn't have very many weapons, so perhaps it was easier to neutralize and, and hone in on Vaughn compared to maybe like an Oklahoma team that has a lot more weapons outside of Ramondre Stevenson, which includes obviously the quarterback and uh, his ability to get the football to other players on the perimeter. So I'm going to say that uh, Ramondre Stevenson picking up some yardage will keep Oklahoma's offense dynamic and make it difficult for Jim Knowles to be able to, to guess with a lot of success, whether it's a pass or a run, so where you can time up those blitzes. And I think with the amount of man coverage Oklahoma State plays, Ramondre's skill set coming out of the backfield and catching passes one-on-one against linebackers is going to be pretty important in this game against, uh, again, an Oklahoma State defense that really likes to run a lot of man coverage, Grant. So for you, what is the biggest advantage for Oklahoma when they have the ball? I mean, from from an argument perspective, you should have stuck with Spencer Sanders because, I mean, I, I, I think it's uh, – did I say Sanders? Sorry, Spencer Rattler. Um I, I, I think be the first time that happens. I think it's today. clear OU's biggest advantage in this game is their is is their run game and Ramondre Stevenson against the front of that Oklahoma State defense. I think that's the clear advantage in this game. Um, I will be very disappointed if Ramondre does not touch the ball at least twenty five times in this game. He needs to. Um, he is like I, I just I'll I've been hammering it home ever since the Texas Tech game. In fact, I, I mean I before he even debuted this season. But, you know, if you remove quarterback from the equation, Ramondre Stevenson is the best offensive player on this team. Feed him the rock, and you will win this game. Period. Yeah, I also want to see him get the ball a lot. This is not uh, Kansas. This is not Texas Tech where you kind of you play around and you limit his touches. You give him the ball only when you kind of need to. This is, this is a game where, uh, and, and Riley, you know, Lincoln Riley knows that. This is a game where he'll feed him, and it'd be shocking if he did not. And so yeah, I mean the only yeah the only the only scenario I can see where oh I mean that's I mean I could definitely see a scenario where Ramondre doesn't touch the ball as much as he needs to, um, but you know I I could definitely see a scenario where OU just kind of jumps on him early and they're able to do whatever they want, but uh, I don't I don't think I don't think that's particularly likely. Um, yeah, I, like I said, you know I I told you before we 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 uh, we came on the podcast that I I really think this game. Um, I really think this game is going to come down to the coaching staffs and, and just kind of what their game plan is going in. Um, on OU side, I, I told you it just it's really going to come down to Lincoln Riley not getting cute. Um, I don't I don't want to see the same type of offense that we saw against Kansas or even Texas Tech for that matter. This needs to be more run heavy, and then it needs to be taking big shots every now and then off of the run heavy. And, and I know that's never really been a problem for Lincoln Riley's offense. Um, I just I, I see this as a pretty pretty simple problem here. It's you you know the toughest the toughest piece that OU has that OSU has to account for is Ramondre Stevenson. Don't don't make it easy on him. Don't make it easy on him. Okay. All right. So on the other side, what do you think when Oklahoma has the football? What do you think is Oklahoma State's 
biggest advantage over Oklahoma's offense? I'll start with this one. What jumps out to you? Yeah, go ahead. I think it's the I, I think it's the experience of their secondary against Spencer Rattler, and this is where this is where it it, it comes in. This is where the the second part of of what I said you know comes in about the coaching staffs. Um, Jim Knowles is going to kind of have to forget his uh, where he came from in this game. If he blitzes a whole lot, Spencer Rattler is really going to make Oklahoma State play, pay. Um, I. I um, I, I haven't seen the more uh, the most up to date numbers for this, but I know after the Kansas game, per Pro Football Focus, he was the number one graded quarterback in the entire country against the Blitz, and was the number one graded quarterback in the entire country outside of the pocket as well. If Oklahoma State tries to tries to to, to blitz um, Spencer Rattler, it's not going to go well for them. It hasn't gone well really for anybody this year. Um, Oklahoma State's best, I, I think, best chance on defense in this game is to do the Iowa State mush rush three man front and just and 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 force Oklahoma to to nickel and dime their way down the field through the passing game. That is going to be their best chance of winning this game or having success on defense. If they are overly aggressive, I I, I think OU is probably going to have some really big chunk plays and it's probably going to score a lot of points if Oklahoma State tries to come out and is just ultra aggressive. Yeah, that's fascinating because you watch this team this year and and you've watched uh, you know, ever since Jim Knowles arrived in Stillwater, I think this is his third year, he's been an ultra-aggressive uh, defensive coordinator. He, he likes to, to try to create havoc. And in the past, he's given up a lot of big plays. And, and this year, a lot of the experience and the, you know, the talent, it's all kind of came together. And it's working out for him where they're, they're not giving up as many big plays. They're playing a lot so- more solid, and, and they're playing really good defense. Uh, I I tend to think that you're correct about that. I, it's fascinating to think or wonder, will they or will he go against kind of his M.O. in being aggressive? Um, just to answer the question, just to kind of keep it on track, you know, what Oklahoma State's biggest advantage is, I'm, I'm kind of with you a little bit. I'll, I'll add a couple different wrinkles to it. I'd say their confidence as a unit, and also they look to be a really good tackling team. Uh, I, they, they play really fast. I think they tackle really well. They get after the quarterback really well. And I think it's important because they know they're good. And that's something that we haven't been able to say a lot about Oklahoma State's defense in a long time. You know, it, it, it wasn't that unit's fault they lost to Texas. I mean, the offense of Oklahoma State gave the ball away over and over and over again. And special teams let them down on that kickoff return touchdown. So, there's no, there's no creeping questions inside their heads of thinking that uh, maybe we're not as good as we think we are. I, I think that they think and or they know that they're a good defensive football team. You throw in Colby Harvell Peel, maybe healthy enough to play in this game so that it gives them some reinforcements against the Sooners. Uh, and, and also, you mentioned their, their secondary against Spencer Rattler. I, I want to commend their secondary as well. I they play some really solid man coverage. Their technique is pretty darn good from what I've seen, especially at least in that Texas game. Uh, play some really tight coverage in those games, and you mix that, obviously, with, with a front that can get home. A lot of the times with four guys, you're going to have a lot of success there. But I do think it's interesting that you bring up what you think Oklahoma State maybe should do to, you know, to force Rattler to dink and dunk. And you know, I, yeah, I, I kind of like that idea. I just don't know if 
if they're going to do that. I, I, I don't know if like, – because they've been so successful this year. I don't know if uh, Knowles would, would get a lot of buy-in if, if he all of a sudden tried to pull back a little bit. I don't know. And, you know, and just kind of sent pressure every once in a while. But maybe, maybe he will. That's, I'm, that's a really interesting point you brought up. Yeah, I just I, I don't I if if we know one thing, Spencer Rattler's not scared of the blitz. In fact, he's actually done a really good job this season of picking it up and realizing what responsibilities that he has in the blitz and stuff like that. You know, unless they're they're going to send it from a bunch of exotic way, exotic angles and exotic locations. You know, I, I don't I don't know if it's worth it to them. The 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 situations in which we've seen Spencer Rattler make mistakes this season is when he is is when those deep balls are taken away from him and he's been forced to to move the ball down the field over the middle of the field just you know in that 5 to 10 yard window. He struggled at times doing that. It's not necessarily like he's not capable of doing it. He just gets impatient. Gets impatient. Um and like to me this is this is the clear game plan for Oklahoma State. I I I don't know how like their game plan really should be try to control the ball on offense uh, with with the clock and everything, and then and then when Oklahoma has it, force them to go the entire length of the field in twelve to thirteen plays. That should be the game plan. And if yeah. it's not, if it's not, then Oklahoma State might get their ass kicked on Saturday. Um, if like if trying to play a track meet game with Oklahoma right now is not going to go well with them. Cause, like, for instance, like, I, I don't. Um, uh, there's a lot of good players on this Oklahoma State team. I, I, I think maybe to, it's gotten to the point now where a lot of the players they do have, not named Tylen Wallace, are a little overvalued in, in, in that spot. And maybe they got to the point if they get to the point where they think they can actually run with Oklahoma and and compete athletically with Oklahoma. That's it, that's that's going to be a real bad time for them. They should not do that. Um, they, you know, and so, but also at the same time, I, I'm, uh, I am sympathetic to the argument of, well, you know, maybe they should do what's gotten to, you know, gotten them to this point. This is, they are a good defense and, you know, coming into the biggest game of the year, why would they stop doing what's, you know, what's worked well for them? But also, I mean, if, if you want to beat these really good teams, like it appears Oklahoma is turning into, you kind of have to do some things that you haven't put on tape up to this point in time. So I don't know. I'm... I, I I really think Oklahoma State. I I think there's lots of paths for OU to win this game. I think I pretty much just laid out the only path that Oklahoma State has to win this game. You know what uh, is the worst case scenario for Oklahoma State's defense uh, in this game? And, and I'm going to use a, an example from a, a previous college football game that just popped up in my brain. Think back to. Uh, two years ago, kind of around this time, kind of around Thanksgiving coming up, the Ohio State-Michigan game. I think the worst-case scenario is what happened to Michigan's defense in that game. You know, you got Don Brown, you got the really aggressive Michigan defense playing a lot of man. And what did Ohio State do in that game? They just ran a bunch of crossing routes yeah. and, man, and, and, and man beaters and just torched Michigan. Just torched them with uh, Dwayne Haskins back there. I think that's like the worst case scenario for Oklahoma State's defense that has relied very heavily on aggressive, tight man coverage defense. You know, they don't play man every t- every time. Obviously, they'll they'll play a little bit of zone here and there, but uh, they. I mean, that backfired uh, majestically <laughs> against Michigan in that Ohio State game. Whenever Michigan was trying to make the playoff that one year, 
And so that 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 kind of thing is though, is, uh, yeah. The one the one thing that I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily in the same same wavelength with you is that I I, I do think OU's receivers are, still need to prove themselves a little more. You know, there, there's been times this season where they haven't really gotten open. Um, it hasn't it hasn't happened a ton, but there have yeah. been times where Spencer Rattler's had to hold the ball. There's been coverage. There's been coverage sacks. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I don't. This OU receiving core has a high ceiling. I don't think they've gotten to the point where they're going to be yet, and so that's when that's when I that, when I talk about OSU secondary against Spencer Rattler. That's a lot of the times. That's kind of what I'm what I'm getting at there is that th- there have been times this season hasn't happened um, as much the last three games where the receivers have kind of disappeared a little bit, um, and uh, going up against now, uh, I'm not going to necessarily say this is the best secondary. I think TCU's is probably better than Oklahoma State's to be honest with you. Um, but still, this is, this is a really experienced secondary, um, and we'll, uh, against man coverage. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm really curious to see how much of a, how much of a role Jaden Hazelwood has this week. Um, and just kind of by extension, how, how little of a role by comparison there is for someone like Charleston Rambo. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I mean, Charleston Rambo, I didn't even, I didn't even think he was going to play against Kansas. I, I I thought he was still going to be out. That was kind of a surprise to me. And then he was, you know, he was pretty much invisible again. So um, we'll see. I, I don't know. Like, there's there's a bunch of guys for OU. You, you know, I, I just, let's say OU snaps the ball like 60 or 70 times in this game. You know, I, I hope at least 75 to 80% of those snaps, I, I hope I hope it's Ramondre Stevenson, Jaden Hazelwood, Theo Weiss, Marvin Mims, and Stogner that are touching the ball a vast majority of, of, of all of those. Um and um and Mike and and uh and, and Mikey Henderson Mikey Henderson yes Mikey yes. Henderson as well in, in spots uh Jeremiah <laughs> Hall I Jeremiah Hall I don't ever want to leave the I don't ever I want ever for him to leave the field that's that that's my position um yeah I, this is a super interesting game like I, I we Oklahoma State has a good defense we do not know if they are just good because good defenses in college football get smoked by really good offenses, we don't we, we don't know yet if they're really good, uh, because really good defenses can sometimes hold down really good offenses, and we don't know if they're very very good, which means a majority of the time they get the best of those really good offenses. Um, we're 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 gonna find out. Right? We're gonna find out on Saturday. Um, if you put a gun to my head, I I would guess that they're probably just a good defense. And that when they go up against the elite uh, offenses in college football, they're likely to get exposed a little bit. Um, but we're going to learn on Saturday. Yeah, we will. And let's say that Oklahoma State's defense is uh, pretty darn good, and maybe they really hone in on Ramondre Stevenson, and they say, you know what? We liked watching that Oklahoma tape early in the year whenever they were pretty one-dimensional and couldn't run the ball very well. We want to make sure they're one-dimensional in this game too so we're going to sell out we're going to we're going to be able to stop Ramondre and and hold him to you know four yards a carry or whatever or maybe even less if that happens Grant what do you think are the odds that Spencer Rattler can win this football game from the pocket you know with his arm or not necessarily from the pocket but just with his arm uh, with his offense being one-dimensional like it was for about half this season that's the thing I think it's possible but I think the chances go chances for OU to win this game go down dramatically. Um, 
I yeah, like I'm the one where if like if 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 Oklahoma State's able to completely erase the run game and this and this the game comes down to 100% Spencer Rattler making really good throws against Oklahoma State's defense, can he do that? Definitely, absolutely. Do I think that is likely? No, I don't. I think if Oklahoma State shuts down OU's run game, Oklahoma State's going to win the game. Okay. See, I this is interesting because it could be one of those things where all of the the struggles Oklahoma had running the ball for the first half of the season is going to actually end up helping a lot because you know Spencer's already Rattler's already had to do that already had to win games without much of a running game so if he's got to chuck it around the field to beat Oklahoma State I kind of have confidence that he'll be able to do it uh, I mean you know hopefully obviously that that hip is all good to go I I, I think it's I don't think it's supposed to be a problem. So obviously he needs to be able to drive the football better and be able to make those throws. But, you know, if he's good to go, his ball placement is going to be a massive weapon against a secondary that loves to play man coverage. And got to be able to catch it. There. We saw it. We saw it again against Kansas. Yeah. That, that was one thing we didn't even mention. I, Theo East dropped another perfect throw in the end zone. I know. I know. Gosh. Ugh. He, yeah, that. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and this is more this is more of just a feeling on my part. But yeah, I mean, if if this is a close game and it's coming down on the shoulders of Spencer Rattler, uh, I I think what's happened this season, I th- I think the probabilities are going to shift in in Oklahoma State's favor. Um, you know, I and th- that that's not to say that I don't think Spencer Rattler is capable. If you've listened to this podcast, you know that I think that and more. Um, I just yeah, like we're you know this is still a weird season. I I don't think I don't think OU is totally out of the crap yet. Um. They can go a long way to, to putting the you know the first three games of the season completely behind them if they show up and play well on Saturday. Um, but I, I don't you know I, I don't I don't think this OU team has completely arrived yet. Um, and if and if we're in a close game down the stretch, like I, I don't think it's crazy for me to have more confidence in Oklahoma State's very veteran laden team. Um, hmm. And so yeah, like and you know giving you guys a little of an idea of where maybe I think this game is going. Um, but yeah, like this is, and of course, like I, I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to tell you guys how much I love Ramondre Stevenson. But that, like, that's that's how much I think of him in this game. Like, I, I just, I think if OU just gives them the ball, they're gonna be fine. Like, I, I don't, I don't think it's realistic that that Oklahoma State is gonna consistently shut down Ramondre Stevenson. I don't think that's particularly realistic because I think Ramondre Stevenson, you can watch tape on him, you can prepare for him all you want. But it's different when you're out there on the field and you got to tackle a 260 pound guy who runs a 4-4. That's not fair. Oklahoma State. I, I just, I don't think, I don't think it's sunk in yet to people how good Ramondre Stevenson is. Um, and I know I've been on this now for at least a month. He is an elite player in the country, in college football. He is better than Chuba Hubbard. He is better than LD Brown. Uh, th- this this guy is 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 a massive problem for any team in the country to deal with he's that good so next topic is our biggest concern when Oklahoma has the football and for me it just to kind of uh, I I guess keep going on on what you just said uh, biggest concern for me is if the run game falls apart and gets back to where it was in September and early October Uh, you know if, if Rattler does have to drop back and throw it a lot you know, like we've seen him do it a lot this year. Uh, if he has to drop back and throw a bunch without much of a running game, 
that clock is going to start to speed up a little bit, probably a little bit more than it has this season because Oklahoma State, like I said a little bit a little bit ago, they're pretty good at getting pressure with four guys. I know they haven't seen Oklahoma's offensive line yet, so that'll be a bit of a, a bigger challenge than before, most likely. But I'm concerned of the running game going back to where it was early in the year and then Rattler having to get sped up a bit with his reads kind of for the first time since that OU Texas game when obviously in the first half of that game it did not go very well for Spencer Rattler so that that idea is what worries me uh, quite a bit if that does happen in the game so for you what is your biggest concern when Oklahoma has the football my biggest concern is is that Lincoln Riley gets cute um Hey, I mean, obviously, if they come out and they're slinging the ball around and it works, great. That's awesome. Um, but I guess, yeah, maybe maybe my my analysis and this stuff has just has been kind of paralyzed by you know by Ramondre Stevenson being a thing. Uh, but yeah, my my biggest fear is that they don't give him the ball enough. Uh, you you kind you almost you have a cheat code in the back in the backfield. Give him the ball. Yeah, this will be an interesting game because. Yeah, I've defended Lincoln Riley quite a bit, especially the last couple of games, because I think he's just, again, he he's opening up the playbook. It's almost like he's playing a video game, and he knows Spencer Rattler's back there, and he wants to see Spencer Rattler have fun and play around. And he knows he can get away with it against Texas Tech and, and Kansas, and even to some extent TCU. Uh, I don't think he's going to have that same mentality against Oklahoma State, at least from the jump. You know, I'm sure he'll feel out the way the game goes, and if he sees like or feels like he's got some some uh, matchups to exploit, then yeah, maybe he will. But uh, I think that's a that's a fair concern to have because we know that Lincoln Riley likes to he likes to have his quarterback throw it around when maybe the this I guess the more simple and dare I say smart thing to to do would be just to hand it off and let his offensive line do the work and let his really good running back do the work. So in a season where is a, yeah. in a season where a lot of big 12 teams resemble mid two thousands, big 10 teams, it may not be the worst idea in the world to, to let your inner big 10 take over a, a bit. Um, <laughs> your inner and, big and I'll 10. say, especially when you have Ramondre Stevenson, I, I mean this, he's so good. I mean, it is, it's, he's just different. Give him the ball, get out of bedlam with with, with the W. Like I, I know it's not that easy, but it might be. Well, he's played two games this year. He's gotten maybe what ten touches or so in each game, like each maybe ten to twelve. You know, he got so like he's twelve be, against Tech, and he had fifteen, I think, against Kansas. So there, I mean, he's going to be as fresh as possible. And yeah, he's going to touch the ball a lot Saturday. Uh, there's, there's no, uh, the, I think you kind of hinted on this a little bit ago. The only world in which he doesn't touch the ball a lot is if he doesn't need to, because for whatever reason, Oklahoma's throwing it around and they're exploiting matchups on the perimeter. And, but then again, at that point though, you'd think he'd probably get the ball to, to chew the clock. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's not really any world in which he doesn't touch the ball a lot, unless I guess if Oklahoma gets down by three touchdowns early, and they just totally abandon the run game, which sounds like a nightmare scenario. <laughs> but so it doesn't come to that. Yeah, I mean, and of course you you always got to bring in um, 
if OU's got the ball. I, I'm, I mean, I'm always scared of fumble luck. Always. Um, you know, you can you can fumble. Yeah. Fumbles are, are completely random, and you just might not recover them. Uh, that could completely nuke a game right away like that. So, um, no, I just I, I, I really hope we don't see... Um, I, I don't. I, I hope we don't see any situations where where Lincoln Riley is is too cute by half. Um, just I, I, it's okay sometimes just just to give the ball to your running back. It it is okay. All right. Anything else on this matchup that we haven't discussed that is uh, you know on your mind that you'd like to throw out there? I'm trying to think. I, I guess I don't know. Have you have you heard anything about? I mean, I, I don't know what, what health is like. It sounds like Rattler's going to play this week. No problem. I mean, do we know anything about Austin Stogner? Like, I, I honestly don't. I, I'm uh, The update from Lincoln Riley on Monday was that he's a little sore, but uh, I haven't heard anything that would lead us to believe that he's in jeopardy of not playing. Do we know if Braden Willis but, is ever going to yeah. play again for OU? I, yeah, I have no idea. Because that's uh, another one but, where it's like, you know, I mean, if, if he's healthy and is a full go, he's a guy I want out there as much as humanly possible. Um, interesting. Are we ever going to see Trajan Bridges? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I've, I, got, I have no idea in regards to that. Man, wouldn't it be something if OU just like, if OU comes out, like Bridges is, is active and then OU just comes out and like four and five wide the entire game and it's just... I mean that that would be uh, silly. I don't know why they would do that, but that'd be <laughs> well, kind of fun. Thing it, yeah. Uh, speaking of bridges, Riley brought him up in the press conference on Tuesday when uh, discussing Tylen Wallace and and brought up bridges, saying that their their style of play is pretty similar. Uh, I mean, like, I mean again, like Riley brought him up just like with, without being. Uh, without anybody asking about Trajan Bridges, so did did Lincoln Riley just kind of casually say that? Yeah, we got someone as good as Tylen Wallace just sitting. I, I mean, it it, it kind of sounded like that a little bit if you listen to it. I mean, that's ridiculous. Tylen uh, Wallace is so good. So like, I, I mean, I can't. Tylen Wallace just is haven't a, seen Bridges yeah. play enough to uh, to really yeah. comment. That's that's weird. Like, cause cause yeah, I, Tylen Wallace to me is essentially just a more athletic Sterling Shepard. Um, and that, I mean that's that's awesome. That's that's good enough. Probably be a first round pick in the NFL draft. Um, if Trajan Bridges yeah. is that good, I mean that's, I twenty twenty one is going to be a is going to be a lot of fun. I mean that's yeah. But no, that's that's absurd. If if, if Lincoln Riley's actually if if that's what he meant by that, that's that's likely very absurd. We haven't we haven't seen many people as good as as Tylen Wallace in the last twenty years. I I highly doubt that that Bridges is 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 there yet. I mean, I honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, it's it's more of a style of play. It's like the way they carry themselves, route running. Uh, I mean, it's just. I mean, Tylen Wallace. It's more just like his route running, and he's able to make contested catches at kind of like a, a smaller frame. I mean, that's that's kind of what he's got going for him. Not to say these. I'm I'm not trying to downplay what he can do. It's just that that's what makes him good, and I think that's those are things that probably Bridges can do decently well too. We just haven't seen him play because he hasn't been out there. And whenever he was playing for Oklahoma, it was with Jalen Hurts at quarterback and not not Spencer Rattler. So, I mean, it's all just it's all just speculation at this point. Let's flip the script to when Oklahoma State has the football. The Cowboys. The last time Oklahoma State played, 
really super injured uh, against Kansas State a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to watch that game that closely. I know, I know you did a little bit, Grant. Uh, Tyler Wallace didn't play in that game except for the very end. He came on to uh, help recover an onside kick. So no Tylen Wallace for the most part in that game. Chuba Hubbard was was barely active. He only had six carries. LD Brown carried the load in the backfield, but I guess he was less than 100% in that game. Uh, they were missing uh, a starting tackle as well. Uh, I, th- I think the expectation is that, is that all of these guys are going to be uh, available on Saturday and you know, obviously more healthy. I don't know how healthy they're going to be. I'm kind of assuming they're all going to be good, and that's that's the way I'm proceeding with the, the next part of this podcast. You may think differently, and if so, that's fine. That's great. Uh, so with that said, we're going to go over the same kind of topics except with Oklahoma State uh, having the football. So, Grant, what do you think is Oklahoma's uh, biggest advantage on defense when the Cowboys possess the football on Saturday, I think this will probably be a pretty short conversation. Um, and this this is the biggest this is the biggest mismatch in the entire game. Uh, yeah, I mean it's Oklahoma's defensive front against Oklahoma State's offensive line. And now I here's, I don't think Oklahoma State's offensive line is as bad as people have been saying it is. Um, it, it didn't really show up to me, you know, uh, in in the few games that I've watched back of theirs. Now, like, don't get me wrong, their offensive line is not quote-unquote good, but it's also not painstakingly terrible, like we're kind of led to believe. For instance, like, I think Kansas State's and Iowa State's offensive line are both worse than Oklahoma State's. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't really want to comment on the other ones. I think Texas Tech's might be a little better, to, to be honest with you, in terms of, like, uh, pass blocking, pass protecting. Um but no, like I, I was expecting it to be just like guys in the backfield consistently. Spencer Sanders just running for his life, and there was a little bit of that, but nowhere near as much as as I thought. There were there were way more instances of of Spencer Sanders having a clean pocket and having all day to throw, uh, like more so than I anticipated. So, uh, but also at the same time, they haven't played OU's defensive front, um, and I, I just OU's defensive front right now is just is is outstanding. It's extremely good. It is deep. They are fast. They are athletic. Um, the you know, if they run out Benito, Winfrey, Perkins, and Thomas at the same time, that's Oklahoma State is not going to be able to block that uh, at all, a- at all. So uh, I I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It, it's that's going to be fun. That's I I think maybe a lot of the you know in a lot of ways this may kind of decide the game for Oklahoma State. They are going to have to tinker with their game plan uh, to account for Oklahoma's defensive line. I, I think there's going to have to be a lot of misdirection, uh, a lot of screen passes for Oklahoma State. I, like, I don't if, – if, if they're going to expect, you know, Spencer Sanders to drop back and sit in the pocket and, and try to, you know, pick OU, OU apart downfield, I don't think that's going to be able to happen uh, based off of just kind of what's, what's going to go on up front. Yeah, I tend to agree, and, and I'm the same. I mean, that's definitely the biggest advantage for Oklahoma's defense. You have a, an offensive line that I, I think is supposed to get their starter back, uh, Springfield, starting tackle back, so that would definitely help them out. But for the most part, it's a, it's a young offensive line. Uh, they've, they've definitely gotten better as the year has gone on. they got a good offensive line coach with Charlie Dickey. But uh, Mike Gundy has said for 
every single week it seems like they're just playing musical chairs up there trying to figure out who's playing. Meanwhile, Oklahoma's offensive line hadn't had, hadn't had to deal with that really at all this year, which is very nice. So you have that offensive line going against a super talented, deep Oklahoma defensive line that is playing its best football of the season and, oh, by the way, is going to be playing its third straight game with Ronnie Perkins back in the fold and a guy that he's been playing like in spot duty. I mean, Perkins, it's not like he's playing every single snap. I mean, because they rotate so much. So he's really fresh, ready to get after the passer. Oklahoma State's going to have to run the football. If Oklahoma State can't run the ball, which Oklahoma's defense has been very good at stopping the run, if Oklahoma State's got to throw the ball a lot, they're in trouble, Grant, because that it, Spencer Rattler, I'm sorry, Spencer Sanders, uh, him getting rid of the football quickly is what he'll most likely have to do. But that gets to the point where hopefully Oklahoma's defensive backs will be able to start making some breaks on the ball and and reading and expecting these out routes to Tylen Wallace, to Dylan Stoner, that Spencer Sanders throws all the time. I mean, there's so many timing out routes. And if Oklahoma's secondary knows that, that uh, the offensive line can't block and they know that the ball will be coming out, that'll give Oklahoma's secondary more of a chance to be a little extra aggressive, come up, knock some balls down. Gr- granted, that's not really been an, an, an M.O. for Oklahoma secondary really at all. But uh, it's, it's something that could be there for them to do if the defensive line for Oklahoma does play as well as they have been playing and they start to – to speed up again, like kind of the, the same idea of Spencer Rattler being sped up. If that happens to Spencer Sanders, he has had a lot more of a propensity to turn the ball over than Spencer Rattler. It could be a, a man that it could be a lot of fun for the Oklahoma defensive line and also the secondary. Yeah, I you know I think uh, I think Spencer Sanders' health is, is going to be a storyline in this game as well. Um, so the <coughs> excuse me the uh, the two games that I went back and rewatched today. Uh, or Iowa State and Kansas State, because I, I I watched the the Texas game full when it aired. Um, Spencer Sanders clearly isn't healthy. I uh, I it was an ankle injury, right? When he was when he was Very hurt early on. Yeah, it was yeah. an ankle injury. He's he doesn't have as much juice on his ball as as he normally does, and so I I notice especially whenever he was whenever he had to uh, whenever he had to make any sort of those out route throws like uh, you know to the numbers to the field side like a long throw. It was floating a little bit, pretty in, in in every game since Iowa State. It's been floating a little bit on him. Um, a lot of that has to do with him maybe not being able to step up in the pocket and get behind his throws. But I think a lot of it has to do with him just not being healthy. Maybe on that plant foot, uh, I, I think there's something there. Uh, and I just I, I did not see as much juice on his throws, um, especially in the Kansas State game. Uh, like yeah, he just he there there were some throws that just kind of died on him and. Uh, I'm going to be kind of looking out for that because I think it would be smart for uh, for OU to to force him to throw it to the field side, to throw it, you know, make the long throws. Um, I I think that's that's where you know turnovers are going to start to happen, where you can step in, you know, step in front of some of that stuff. So, um, I think that's going to be a big storyline, something to look to look out for. But uh, you know, other than that, man, I just Oklahoma State's offense, they just they don't look very good at all. I mean. You you can tell there's there's times where you can see the ability there, but they're they're just they're not the same as they were last season. They were much more explosive, and um, they're just not this year. They're not an explosive offense, 
And so we've already gotten to the point. You, you have some you have some numbers here. They're they're 66th in the country in scoring, 52nd in yards, 75th in passing, 41st in running, 76th in third down uh, conversion rate. I mean, we're six games into the season. I think that's enough to to say that's who they are. That's who they are. And you know, I, if if Oklahoma State doesn't have an extra gear on offense in this game, I, you know, it's going to be really tough for them. You know, I, I'm not. There's a lot of things that I feel like Oklahoma State is capable of doing that they're going to have to do to win this game, but I'm not really sure that I've seen that consistently on tape in any of their games this year. Well, to be fair, and I'm not, not sure how much this factors in, because, uh, but it definitely factors in, is, is Sanders has only played in three games. Iowa State, Texas, K-State. So the stats might be a little bit better, let's say, if Sanders had played a full season. Uh, now we know that that Tulsa team is actually pretty solid. So even if Sanders would have played a full game, that might have been a tough one for Oklahoma State because, again, Tulsa has, has played some really good football this year. Uh, West Virginia, that defense is really good. Granted, it was early on in the year, and, and o- OSU was able to figure it out with Shane Illingworth at quarterback. So credit to Oklahoma State for, I mean, in hindsight, that's a pretty good-looking win over West Virginia without your starting quarterback. So I, I do think those stats might be a little bit skewed overall because they're not all with Sanders. But I, I think the you mentioned they're not as explosive. I think the, the biggest issue is it's Chuba Hubbard. I, he does not look like anywhere near the same player as last year. And I, I think his lack of explosion on runs has really limited their offense. I mean, L.D. Brown is the guy that's getting explosive runs whenever they happen for Oklahoma State. He kind of looks. He kind of looks like the same guy to me as he did last year, um, but I've I've, I've, I've made Chuba, my opinions I mean, known on Chuba, Chuba Hubbard numerous times. But Chuba would hit the hole and explode through, and and one person wouldn't bring him down. I mean, he one guy is bringing him down right now. I mean, he here's what I what I saw and a little bit of Iowa State and all of Texas. It looks like, and, and you know, I I kind of have a theory that he might not be fully healthy. And we know he wasn't healthy the last time out against K-State anyway, so we knew that that was an issue. Even against Texas, I don't know. I mean, he almost kind of looks like he's shying away from contact sometimes, which is is hampering him and, and having him and kind of like pull up a little bit, maybe try to change direction, but then he gets brought down for, for fewer yards than maybe he would have if he just would have kept you know, maybe driving towards the sideline or trying to get the edge. He just does not look the same to me at all. I guess, yeah, I, I suppose that's, I, I just, I, even last, and he, he, he had a great year last year. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from there, you know, from him there, but even last year, he, he was an, he was an all or nothing guy, all or nothing guy. He, he's a guy who, when you shrink the space that he has to work with, he's much less effective. And I mean, of course, I mean, yeah, breaking news, that's every running back. Um, but I, and I just, He's a guy who didn't have a lot of space to operate in Bedlam last season, and you saw he had, what, like 97 yards on 25 carries or something like that. I think that's kind of who he... He doesn't really run through arm tackles. He didn't last year. I, I, yeah. he, he's, a guy, he's, he's a guy who, when he gets in the open field and he gets a, he gets a full head of steam ahead, I mean, good luck, for sure. But I, without like those big home run threats, I, you know, it's, he is what he is. Uh, he's 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 an athletic guy who is a home run threat when he has when he has space to operate. He he, he had a, he had one really really nice run against Iowa State, um, against Iowa State, 
where he just he kind of uh, he was able to just sort of duck under some some arm tackles and sort of hop around guys, and then he exploded for thirty some odd yards for the touchdown. That was a really good run, uh, but that's by far his best run this season. Um, and I, you know, hasn't had a lot of space to work with this season, and he he goes down pretty easily when he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I like to see Chuba Hubbard what he would have looked like in Oklahoma's offense before Ramondre Stevenson got back to kind of gauge, uh, I guess, his level. Because, like, I mean, we were on the record as, you know, both of us, we, we thought it was more the running backs than it was the offensive line. I'm kind of curious to see how, how uh, Chuba would have done behind that offensive line. I think he would have done a lot better than, uh, than he's doing now. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, I agree. That, that, I, I don't... T, that TJ and, uh, and McGowan and, and Major did too. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, I think yeah, Chuba would have been would have been great for OU earlier this season. I, I I think that says a whole you know a whole lot more about the guys that OU has behind Ramondre Stevenson than it does about Chuba Hubbard. Yeah, yeah, I I'd agree. I'd agree. All right, so what do you think is Oklahoma State's biggest advantage when they have the football over Oklahoma? Tylen Wallace I'll, I'll, against whoever is lined up in front of him. Yeah. All right, so we're on the same page. Yeah, it's it's definitely Tylen Wallace. Uh, that's that's who Spencer Sanders looks to almost all the time. Uh, he's a he's a lot of the times a one read player, and it's tough though because Tylen's a good route runner, so you can't just like sit on his his you know twelve yard out routes because he might double move you and it's over. So it's it, it's not easy. It's a lot easier said than done. But I mean, whoever's got the task of being on his side of the field let's just hope that whatever Oklahoma does this time under Alex Grinch's scheme works a lot better than what they did two years ago in in Bedlam when Tyler went over 200 yards and had a couple of touchdowns there's a lot of guys that played in that game Grant that are going to be on the field Saturday Buki uh, Trey Norwood Trey Brown there's probably more that I'm missing at least in the secondary yeah it could be it man Norwood was just thoroughly abused in that game over and over and yeah. over again. And now he's playing safety. He was playing cornerback then. Uh, hopefully it goes better. I, yeah. I actually asked I, I asked Trey Norwood today about that. I was like, hey, uh, I'm going to guess that Tylen Wallace is probably pretty eager to play against you guys again after the last couple, you know, two years ago. But I, I'm also guessing you guys are probably looking forward to playing against him. And he, he gave me, you know, I was hoping that he'd give me a, interesting answer about Tylen Wallace but he he towed the company line and said yeah everyone's excited to play Bedlam the standard generic you know player Bedlam answer unfortunately uh, but come on like you know that that secondary's got to be wanting to redeem themselves after what happened 2 years ago against Tylen I hope so I, I mean they're, I, they're, yeah. they're they're all human I'm sure they wanted to last season as well uh, but he didn't play so yeah, I mean, right. I hope so. I hope they're using some sort of motivation, but I also hope they have a plan uh, because, I mean, that needs to... He needs to be public enemy number one for OU's defense. I More so over Chuba Hubbard, more so over Spencer Sanders. Uh, you Just know exactly where that guy is at all times and have a plan for him. Um, I, he's, he, he's what makes Oklahoma State's offense go. The fact that they haven't really been able to get him... Um, him and Chuba going at the same time is is one of the reasons why their offense has stalled a lot this season. Um, I, I I think if you can if you can take away the big play factor 
uh, from Tylen Wallace, you're gonna go. You're gonna be doing a lot towards you know winning this game. So, man, that guy scares the crap out of me. Tylen Wallace is good enough to where that he can completely ruin a game for you. He can completely ruin a good plan, a good offensive performance. You know, on the other side, he can completely ruin it. He's that good. Um, and I, I, I really hope OU's coaches uh, are are operating under that you know assumption. But also, I mean, we don't even know if he's healthy. So. Yeah, I'm yeah, assuming I mean, he is. I mean, yeah, and I'm I'm gonna guess that Oklahoma is is assuming that yeah. Tylen's gonna be healthy as well. Because if because um, if Tylen Wallace doesn't play tomorrow, then I mean that that just that limits so much of what Oklahoma <laughs> State can do. And when's, you <laughs> wins the game. What did I say? <laughs> if he if he doesn't play tomorrow, is it already? Did I play tomorrow? <laughs> oh, I meant Saturday. <laughs> I wish it was just, tomorrow. It's not even close to Saturday yet. I just, <laughs> that's close i guess but. all the all the days are yeah. running you know running into each other it doesn't uh, i wish the game was tomorrow that'd be that'd be really nice um but yeah, yeah. i mean if he's if <laughs> Tylen wallace isn't on the field that really limits what oklahoma state can do um yeah so, yeah like yeah that's so, uh, i i think yeah that that should be kind of the game plan for ou like account for Tylen wallace I, I really do think that you need to pay more attention to him than you do Chuba Hubbard. Uh, so the next question I have is probably the same answer as what we just had. Uh, what's the biggest concern when Oklahoma's on defense? It's it's Tylen Wallace. But I'll just to be different, I just thought of you know another concern I have. And it, it it's in relation to Tylen Wallace. When I was watching the Texas game, like three different times, maybe even four different times. Spencer Sanders just kind of threw up go routes or fade balls up in the air to to Tylen, and I think one of them went to Braden Johnson. And Texas uh, corners, I mean, were horrible. I mean, grabbed, tugged, didn't turn their head, and committed PI and holding. So I'm concerned that that's a big part of Oklahoma State's offense, and I'm concerned about Oklahoma's defensive backs resorting back to how they played against Iowa State and against K-State and against Texas at times when they just looked really bad out there covering uh, covering deep throws or just like uh, losing their technique and committing penalties. So there's a concern there that, that uh, I hadn't really thought of much until I watched that Texas game. What about you? Do you have any other big concerns other than Tylen Wallace? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think uh, I think they need to be cognizant of LD Brown. Uh, don't Don't fall asleep when Chuba Hubbard leaves. Uh, cause I, I mean, I, LD Brown can, can definitely hurt you. Um, he's good. LD Brown's good. Uh, he is, uh, he's going to be one of the better Hubbard and LD Brown are, I mean, are going to be two of the, the best running backs, you know, obviously they faced this year. Um, you know, Brees Hall, I think being probably the best they've faced this year. Um, but, uh, the one thing that kind of does concern me is, uh, Oklahoma state, their offensive coaches watching the Iowa state game back. And uh, trying to get Jelani Woods one on one on Brendan Radley Hiles, uh, that that worries me a little bit because uh, I think it's 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 been put on tape enough to where it, like Oklahoma State, if they don't try that, if they don't go to that well at least two or three times just to see what happens, I mean, how can you not do that? Right, right, yeah, and they're going to use motion a decent amount to try to uh, get Oklahoma's defensive backs to back up and create easy pitch and catch, you know, five, seven, eight yard plays that. That Iowa State took advantage of a lot. Uh, I noticed them motioning wide, you know, wide receivers inside just to kind of 
toy around with Texas's defensive backs a couple of times. And um, so th- that's, that's something that we've seen on tape a lot with Oklahoma's defense, where sometimes when there's motion men, it, it really it tips your hand to the opposing offense what you're doing. You'll, you'll back up and give a lot of space and create really easy throws and really easy conversions for Spencer Sanders. So that'll be th- – yeah, that'll happen a lot too, and hopefully Oklahoma can adjust. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm worried about that. Um, let's see. We already talked about Spencer Sanders a little bit. Uh, anything else in this matchup worth discussing? Let's see. Uh, you're right about LD Brown. Uh, he's, he is good. He's a good player. So you can't let your guard down when, he, when he's on the field. So good call on that. He's definitely worth mentioning. I mean, Dylan Stoner is a good possession receiver. Dylan Stoner is I mean, a good you, player. You can't, he's good. Yeah, he's like he, he'll go. To, I mean, Braden Johnson's also a, a you know a, a home run threat as well. But Spencer um, Sanders is not a guy who's going to sit in the pocket and go through his progressions, and then you know and, and find Dylan Stoner who you know who just kind of sat in the middle of a zone or something like that. He, Spencer Sanders isn't that guy. He just isn't. You know, he's yeah, he's he much more what's schemed up for him. Yeah, Spencer yeah. Sanders is is basically Jalen Hurts in the pocket. If if number one isn't there, it's he's gone. He's out. Get out. Um, in fact, yeah, like I don't, I don't know if I did I make this comparison to you. Spencer Sanders is a is 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 just smaller Jalen Hurts. They're really similar players. Hmm. I haven't seen that yet. Maybe it's because you know their body types are so different. I I think. Um, you know, I was going to say, I think Sanders does go through his progressions in the pocket more than Hurts, but I think it usually happens whenever he actually has time. And whenever Jalen had time in the pocket, he'd go through his progressions too. Like he, he wouldn't always immediately eject if he wasn't feeling any pressure. I mean, there might be something there. There might be some, yeah, that, that could be a decent comparison. Huh. I mean, it's not perfect. Think about that it's one. not perfect. I just, I think their, their games are, are a little similar. Um, all right. Actually, here, how about this? Uh, the last thing. Uh, sp- speaking of Jalen Hurts and Spencer Sanders, um, Oklahoma has not seen. Well, I guess you know last week or against Kansas, they had a you know they faced a, an athletic quarterback, but it's Kansas, so whatever. They faced Ellinger, who's not you know the the same kind of runner as Sanders is. Uh, obviously, Purdy scrambles really well. Uh, Oklahoma's going to have to account for Spencer Sanders and his legs, obviously, and. I think I brought this up last week after the Kansas game. I like the idea of Nick Benito being called upon to, to be that spy whenever Oklahoma only rushes three or four, as opposed to a Deshaun White or a David Ogwebu. I think Benito's pretty fast, and I think he's technically sound, and I'm confident whenever Benito's the one that has to gauge and, and figure out how to bring down Spencer Sanders whenever he's not blitzing him. Uh, do you agree? Do you like the idea of Nick Benito being that guy as opposed to a, another linebacker on the team? So I, I don't I don't hate the idea because I, I, I like the idea of the spy just in general. Um, and I like this more if you pair it, you know, if you pair Benito with Winfrey, Thomas and Perkins on the field at the same time as well. Um, but I don't I, I wouldn't I don't know if I would want to, you know, pigeonhole him in, into that role just for the entire game, just because he's yeah. been so I mean. Nick Benito is one of the best pass rushers in college football, um, and so you, I, I, I think generally speaking, you want him coming off the edge more often than not. So, 
He's, I mean, he's like got the they, highest. They have he, him do that, you know, on third down or for, you know fourth sure. down. So you know, they ask him like he'll get after it on early downs, but whenever you know there's that chance that a guy like Spencer Sanders is gonna is gonna want to run because it's third down and all of his his reads are taken up, then you're gonna have uh, you know Benito coming in to to clean it up. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I like the idea. Uh, I just, you know, I, I I'm sure we'll see some some other people. I, I like. I trust Nick Benito in that situation more than I do like a Deshaun White. Um, but yeah, like yeah, so I do mean, I because Deshaun White struggled against Ellinger. Yeah, against Ellinger. Yeah, it's just yeah. I just I like I really like Benito coming off the edge. Uh, he he leads the country in pressure percentage. Uh, like over 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 a quarter of his pass rushes are are wins are are you know are, are pass rush wins. So um, I don't know. Like. All right. Benito Benito is a guy who's turning into a uh like a, a real real big problem. Like yeah. really one of the better players in the conference for sure. Um, real fun player. Yeah, he's good. He's not uh real fun to watch. Yeah, like I, you know I think um I'm trying to think of like other guys that OU has seen this year that like I I think the best defensive player OU has seen this year is probably Joseph Osai uh from Texas. Um I say, but other other than that, like I, mean, I don't think they've really played anyone who's as good as Nick Benito. Um, I think Benito's been that good this year. And you throw in Ronnie Perkins as well. It's going to be. I haven't seen a, enough a, of Ronnie quite, yet, but like it's it's crazy. Like I um, with Perkins being back, I, I do kind of want to touch back on that again because you said uh, earlier about ten or fifteen minutes ago that yeah, this has just been spot duty for him. You know, he hasn't he hasn't even really been playing starter minutes, quote unquote. Um, but that's because, like, at the, at this point in time, you you really cannot take Isaiah Thomas off the field for long periods of time. He's been too good this year. Um, so it's like that. That's one of those things. I, I'm I'm really glad that it, it doesn't look like that. Ronnie Perkins being back is going to uh, is basically going to mean that Isaiah Thomas just disappears because he's he's been he's been too damn good. You, you can't take him off the field. All right, let's get to the kind of prediction portion of the Bedlam matchup, Grant. What do you want to see happen on Saturday night? I mean, I everyone knows what I want to see happen. I, I want to see this version of the Oklahoma Sooners announce themselves to the college football world, saying like, hey, we, you know, you thought maybe that we were gone. You thought maybe we were gone after a few games, but no, nah, sorry. We're back, and this is the best we have ever been. That's what I want to happen. Um... Is that going to happen? I really think probably not. But if it does happen, um, you're I mean, you're going to be hearing a you know a co-host on this podcast next week who is just really fired up, real fired up. Uh, this is the opportunity that's just kind of on the table right now for this OU team is is, is kind of unique. It's really unique, um, and it's I think it's a different kind of feeling you know that we've had in the last decade or even two decades here. Um, this is a team that a lot of people just kind of left for dead after the first three games of the season. And they've, uh, they've rebounded to the point where I think I test right now, we can all say that they're pretty clearly the best team in the big 12. Um, and I think I test, we can all say that they're pretty clearly one of the, probably one of the 10 best teams in college football, but now they're going to be playing a team that has, you know, uh, statistically a top 10 defense and they're going to be able to finally prove it. Um, so what do I, what do I want to see happen? I want to see, I want to see something like 52 to nine in 2003. 
I want to see something similar to uh, to what happened in 2009 as well. So uh, 27 to nothing. I want to see a physically dominant team, and I want to see an Oklahoma State program and fan base that is extremely disappointed that you know one of their seasons that looked like had some of the most promise they've had in the last couple decades, maybe one of the most one of the most looked forward to seasons in program history. I want all those guys to be really disappointed, and I want them to feel beaten down and sad after the game. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'll try to add on to that. I I want to see Oklahoma's defense force some turnovers. Uh, I know Spencer Sanders ever since that Texas uh, that Texas game where he just he turned. I mean, he threw some either really bad pick, you know, sack fumble. Uh, he should have thrown another pick near the goal line, but it was dropped. Uh, the guy the guy uh, just puts the ball in harm's way a lot, but I know he's taking care of it a lot better. Uh, the last in mean, the last game against K State, and I think kind of the, the second half of Texas, he took care of the ball better. I want to see Oklahoma speed him up and force him to turn it over and, and put the ball into to some weird spots and let Oklahoma take advantage of it. Because I mean, we've seen Oklahoma take the ball away uh, the last couple of games, which is kind of nice. It's it's cool to see. Um, and now you got a team that has a quarterback that is going to be willing to put the ball in harm's way I think I know that on the other side Oklahoma State fans are thinking the same thing about Spencer Rattler this is a guy that has been turnover prone uh, we can obviously dig into the nuance of that a little bit he has not really been turnover prone since the first half of the Texas game he's played a lot better uh, but yeah I, I want to see some turnovers forced by Oklahoma's defense uh, obviously, I want to see Oklahoma run the football well. If, if Oklahoma runs the ball well, they're going to win the game. It's, it's not going to be an issue. Uh, so I, I do want to see Ramondre do exactly what you think he's going to do if, they, if he gets enough touches. I kind of do want to see the uh, <laughs> kind of a, a version of that Michigan-Ohio State game where Oklahoma State tries to be really aggressive and Oklahoma's offense is too good and, and has, has an ability to exploit that. Uh, you you got to run a lot of drag routes, a lot of crossers against man coverage. Do that a lot. Please don't just send people four verts all the time without any safety valves. Uh, you're going to have chances against linebackers with running backs out of the backfield, one-on-one. And if Oklahoma is able to run the football, it's going to probably force Oklahoma State to not be as aggressive, maybe play a little bit more zone. And what'll that open up? That'll open up opportunities for Oklahoma to call some of those quarters beaters, maybe those leak concepts into zones. Uh, it'll really open up the playbook more. I want to see all that. I like the idea of a you know a blowout type game, like you mentioned. Uh, that would be really fun. And transitioning into the the next part of it, we usually say you know what what will happen in the game. We'll make our prediction. I, I didn't have the heart to have that as a topic this time because of how bad we've been at least back when we were kind of predicting games so I changed it to what does the film tell you will happen on Saturday <laughs> uh, so I think that'll kind of cover our butts a little bit because you know we'll, we'll be like a if you're familiar with you know Colin Cowherd show or uh, the NFL matchup show with Greg Cosell you know he just talks about what the film tells him Grant you know, whatever the film's telling him, that's what he goes by. It doesn't mean that he's going to predict the future. It's just whatever the film's telling you. And so what does the film tell you is going to happen on Saturday from what you've seen, Grant? From what I've seen, 
I think Oklahoma can have a lot of success running the football um, in this game with Ramondre Stevenson. Um, I think if OU comes out and they try to they try to throw it around a lot, I think they're going to run into some problems. Um, I, I think the last thing that you want to do is give a veteran-laden defense uh, with a lot of experience in the secondary just a ton of confidence. I, I don't think they should do that. I think the best way to steal people's confidence in football is to just run the ball right down their throat, especially when you're capable of doing it. Um, if OU comes out with a with a with kind of a smash mouth game plan, is trying to run the ball, um, I think this is a game that o, that OU can probably win by you know fourteen to twenty one points. I think kind of along that line. It's a game in which I, I think Oklahoma State is probably going to have some really good series on defense, make OU look not great at times. Um, but I think there's probably going to be more you know more instances of that for Oklahoma State's offense in this game. I think there's going to be times where Oklahoma State's offense can maybe. Uh, can sustain some some decent drives with uh, with scripted plays to like Wallace and like I said Jelani Woods and stuff like that. Uh, but I, I don't think they're going to be able to protect long enough uh, for the tricks that they're almost certainly going to have coming into this game to to kind of hold up over the course of an entire game. Uh, so yeah, if if Lincoln Riley attacks this Oklahoma State team the way that I think he should, I think OU wins this game probably something like forty five to thirty one in that in that range. Uh, forty-five to twenty-eight, maybe something along that. If if Lincoln Riley tries to get cute and uh, they let Oklahoma State hang around a little bit, uh, this is a game that I think Oklahoma it's going to be close. I think it could be really close. Um, I'll I'll go one you know one further than you, and I'll actually kind of make a prediction. I think OU's going to win, but I think it's going to be really close. I think it's going to be a fight. I think it's going to be really physical. I think it's going to be similar to those Baylor games last season. Where you're where Ooh. you're frustrated that OU hasn't been as productive on offense as you feel they should be, um, but you're also kind of fired up that OU's defense has made a lot of big plays to keep them into the game, you know, as well. Uh, I I think it's going to be an absolute uh, bar brawl. It's it's going to be a really tough physical game. I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be a physical game too. I think that's interesting. Uh, that'll be fun. I I think the film tells me that Oklahoma should be able to run the ball against Oklahoma State, and that. You know, if that happens, then that it's it's almost it's kind of over for Oklahoma yeah, State's defense. Yeah, if, if OU can you. run the ball like well in this game, it's over. They they don't got any chance at all. So I, I and so and the, again, the film does tell me Oklahoma, especially the last couple of weeks with Ramondre back in there, and then this offensive line continuing to gel. It tells me they should be able to run the ball. Uh, let's see. The film also tells me that Oklahoma State should use a lot of motion to try to get Oklahoma's secondary to show them what they're doing and to get Oklahoma's secondary into advantageous spots for Oklahoma State to hit easy throws for Spencer Sanders because he's going to need it. Uh, they're, gonna, they're obviously going to take a lot of shot plays to Tylen Wallace, and they're going to put the ball up there and let him go get it. Uh, they're going to force the football to him a couple of times in this game. Will Oklahoma be able to make one-on-one plays? We'll see. Uh, the film tells me that Chuba Hubbard is running tentatively right now and that if you can get to him, he's going to go down a lot easier than he did in the past, in my opinion, and that L.D. Brown, honestly, is more of a threat to break a big play and more of a threat to break tackles at this point than Chuba Hubbard, which is crazy for me to even think of. That's what I've seen on tape. And also, it's a big part of it. I think, again, I think he hasn't been healthy. I I don't think Chuba's been healthy. Something's been going on with him. And, and he wasn't healthy again the last time out against Kansas State. How healthy will he be against Oklahoma? I, you know, we'll see. I, I don't know if we'll be able to tell right away because adrenaline, you know, like 
I think he'll probably look good from the start, but as the game goes on, we'll see. Maybe he either he still looks good as the game goes on, we'll know he's really healthy, or maybe he'll start to look slower, or maybe he'll start to look more tentative, and maybe we'll see more LD Brown. I think that'll give us the answer. How healthy will Tylen Wallace be? Another thing, I don't know. And that's got to be kind of a kind of a bummer for Oklahoma State fans to not know how healthy these guys are going to be. But I, I would bet a lot of them are just kind of hoping, you know, that they're going to be good to go. And I kind of think they're going to be good to go too. Um, let's see what else. Uh, that I, I think Oklahoma is going to win the game. I, I do. Um, I, I thought that, you know, I think we talked about this before Bedlam. You know, we kind of guessed what the line would be. We kind of thought maybe, I think, di- didn't you think it might be like double digits? I said it would be 12 and, then, and a half and it was 10. It opened at 10. Yeah, it opened at 10. I, I thought it opened around 7 or 8. And I guess it's down to 7 now, I think. So, and that's fair. I mean, that's a fair line. I, I like that Oklahoma's at home. I, I think Oklahoma's got a better quarterback. I think Oklahoma's got a more reliable quarterback. And this is a year when Oklahoma's defense is, is not god-awful and terrible. Oklahoma's defense is, is good. It's, it's good enough to, to stop and, and, you know, and get off the field a, a good amount of times against an offense like Oklahoma State. And that gives me confidence. I, I like the idea of this defensive line going up against this offensive line and, and a, a quarterback that might be a little bit skittish because he's going to be trying really hard not to turn the football over. And, you know, maybe he'll put a little extra pressure on himself. I don't know. Uh, I don't think Oklahoma's going to feel a whole lot of pressure. Uh, they know they're supposed to win. They know they're supposed to compete for Big 12 titles. This is not anything that Oklahoma's not used to. Oklahoma is going to go in thinking they're going to win. They're expecting to win. And I think that's that's an advantage for Oklahoma. I, I think it is. Yeah, I think this is. Uh, I, I, yeah, I think this I, is I don't a know. game. I was going to say, like, I, I want your thoughts on this. I, you know, this is a team that, uh, like we've mentioned, they really want to take the next step. They want to take that step, to, you know, be in the Alabamas, the Clemson, the Ohio States of the world consistently like that. How important were these last two weeks from a preparation standpoint? to lay the groundwork for getting your program to where you want it to go. Cause I kind of feel like this is sort of a pivot game right now. Whereas if, hmm. if OU, if they show up on Saturday night and they kick the doors in and they announce themselves to the college football world that we're here, that that one that says the big 12, you missed your very small window completely. You're screwed now. It's um, <laughs> right. Like, so how much, how much is were these last two weeks? How important is that in terms of like mindset? Um, like I, I, I gotta know. I, I have to think within the program, the coaching staff knows that kind of like symbolically, this game is really important for this program. They're so young. This is the most athletic they have been in a decade. Uh, th- this is in terms of their future prospects. This is the this is the best they've looked you know in over a decade. I really hope the last two weeks there has been an intense focus within this program, knowing that you can really go, you know, do a lot towards taking that next step as a program if you show up and play extremely well on Saturday. Yeah, it's fascinating because the last time Oklahoma had a bye, they came out, they attacked the bye week, they talked about that a lot, and they played really well against TCU in the next game, held TCU to 14 points, one on the road, and then they knocked off, you know, they beat beat the doors off of Tech, and then they beat the doors off of Kansas, and now they had another bye week. And the, the carrot at the end of the stick was even greater uh, coming out of this bye week. Oklahoma State, in-state rival, 
top 25 game at home. Uh, best team they played at home all year. So I, I don't know why they wouldn't have attacked, quote-unquote, the bye week the same way. And it, it does give me confidence that you know, these guys want to be there still. They have won enough games. They have put themselves in a position to still compete for a Big 12 title that they have every reason to want to go out, blow the doors off of Oklahoma State, and you mentioned all the young players. It's a good point because a lot of these guys are you – know, hopefully they're not thinking too far ahead in the future. But, I mean, they're not halfway out the door ready to go to the NFL or anything like that or there's, their seasons are over. They know that they have a lot of uh, potential. And I, I guess it's kind of what you're getting at. I'm not really adding much yeah, to Yeah, I it, guess but, it's just this uh, is – you know, if, if you want to look at stuff symbolically and narratively, like I, I really like to do in college football, and a lot of people do. That's, that's what makes college football fun is the history behind it. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think this game is is extremely important. I, I just, I, I really do. Because if, you know, if, if you come out and you're really impressive, you know, you're really impressive on Saturday night, that's basically like saying, you know, the first three games of the season just didn't even really matter. And it's like you're you're reintroducing yourself to the college football world and you're saying, this is us, this is our team, and we're not going anywhere. We're coming back in 2021. And, you know, this is like, I think they know that. They have to know that. And um, yeah, I, I think if, if, if that's something that they embrace and they're able to perform well while embracing that, man, I, I, I really think this game can be a stepping stone. One that we really point towards, you know, a year from now and say, hey, they, they introduced themselves in, in Bedlam last season. That's when we knew it was totally different. That's when we knew this program was like, oh, crap, they got an extra gear that we haven't seen in a long time. That's what I'm going to be looking forward, you know, or looking towards a lot on Saturday night. Do they have the ultra laser-like focus knowing that this game is big symbolically? Um, and we'll, we'll find out. Or are they just going to come out and just be like, uh, well, execute, execute, and they're not even worried about that type of stuff. But they're human beings. They're definitely thinking about stuff like that. Well, here's the thing. I think they're going to want to go out and they're going to want to blow the doors off Oklahoma State because I'll just reiterate this thing that I brought up uh, last week, I think, and maybe the week before. Uh, outside shot, Lincoln Riley still is trying to position this team to make the playoff if it's possible. <laughs> and this might be the only time or one of the only times they get a chance to play, you know, a, a top a top 15 team. I might need to get some style points. So and also I, on Oklahoma all the motivation is going to be there. Also in Oklahoma State, uh, yeah, end, that too. Oklahoma State is still is still in it for the college football playoff. So I mean, this game is so, big. Yeah, for they got to do the same thing. This game is huge for them. Uh, and, and this is this is they got a lot of seniors. They got a lot of guys who came back this season specifically to win this game and go to the Big Twelve championship, et cetera, et cetera. So OSU is probably going to have the juice too. It's just oh, yeah. a lot of the times in college football that juice doesn't mean anything when you're going against NFL guys in the trenches in front of you and that's I I think for the first time in a long time OU fans feel like they got that in their back pocket for the first time in over a decade going into this game um and that's it feels that feels a little powerful it feels good it feels nice who do you think has more pressure on them to win this game Oklahoma or Oklahoma State it's Oklahoma it's Oklahoma like the the only pressure uh, that is on Oklahoma State in this game to win is completely within. It's just within. 
Uh, in terms of in terms of that's national all that matters stuff, though. In terms of that's national, all that matters though. Yeah, I know, but like in I, terms of national stuff, everyone's expecting OU to win this game. See, I think I think Oklahoma State has more pressure because it's all pressure they're putting on themselves because they know what's at stake for them. I think the pressure is all on Oklahoma State in this game, which is See, very I don't think bizarre. So. I think it, I think I think everyone in Oklahoma State. I think they know that when they've been watching film over the last two weeks, they know they're the underdogs in this game. Well, they know they're the underdog, but they also know that, like you said a second ago, a lot of these guys came back to have a chance to win a Big 12 title and a national title. They have to win this game for that. For Oklahoma's players, yeah, I mean, we want to win a Big 12 title, but we've already lost two games this year, and yeah, it's it's not... We've done it before. So I, like... Uh, that's I think definitely not how I is more Oklahoma it. State. I, I don't... Like, I guess, yeah, I look at it differently. Like, I, I, I feel like there's, me personally, if I was a player on OU's team right now, I, I would not want to be part of the team that ended the, the Big 12 championship streak. I mean, I would be putting a ton of pressure, like, on, and you're, I mean, I know you're just kind of shrugging, yeah, maybe. but, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, yeah, this is, that's one of those things. I think, I think all the pressure is on OU in this game. Oklahoma State is going to, is, they're, they're the underdogs. No one thinks they're going to win. Basically, everyone in Big Twelve country has been, like, has 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 taken notice of OU and realizes, yeah, they're probably going to be there at the end. I I, I think hmm. it's at the point now where if OSU wins this game, it's going to be a surprise to a lot of people. I think they have zero pressure on them whatsoever. Everyone's already forgotten about them. Well, that's perfect. We uh, ended the podcast then with something where we were totally on opposite ends. How about that? That's a great way to go out. Um, I will let you comment on anything else though in case uh i'm trying to close this up a little too quick i, I don't have anything else to talk about i don't think i have anything uh on on bedlam who do you think's going to win farmageddon on saturday oh is that is that what they're calling indiana ohio state no that's iowa k-state I, iowa state k-state oh yeah i um i haven't given it one second of thought is that that's the game they're playing. Where are they playing? Iowa State. It's in Ames. It's in Ames. Oh, I mean, I, I'm gonna, I don't know. Probably, eh, I don't know. That's actually a pretty good game. That's actually the thing. I'm, I'm actually, I'm pretty bullish on Kansas State in this game. I, I think Kansas State's gonna win just because Brock Purdy has been so terrible that Chris Kleiman is going to find a way to win because of Brock Purdy's terribleness. Yeah. Like I, he's Purdy's been awful, and uh, I just I'm, I I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Iowa State really struggles to move it against uh, against Kansas State. Well, we'll know if uh, by kickoff probably of Bedlam if Iowa State loses, that means Oklahoma will basically be in control, right? They'll be able to uh, know that if they win yes. out, they'll be in the Big Twelve title game. Yeah. And so, I mean, even if even if K State does beat Iowa State, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much. I think I think Texas is going to be is going to be pretty big favorites over K State, and they probably should be. You mean you mean um, if Iowa State beats K State? Yeah, sorry, flip that. Um, yeah. Wait, no, no, I meant no. If like because if Kansas State beats Iowa State, then it's not. It's looking like it's not like a cinch that OU would end up in the the Big Twelve championship game uh, because Iowa State or Kansas State would. Um, what would happen? Both of them would have to lose again, right? Well, no, Iowa um, State would see. already be out. 
Oh, no, I guess, yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess Iowa State's got to lose a couple times, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Iowa State's lost to uh, Oklahoma State. That's it. Yeah, that's their only conference loss so far. That's right. Okay. And, huh. like, I don't, like, here's, yeah. And, um, yeah, and Iowa State, I don't think they're, like, who do they play after K-State? Texas. They already played Iowa State's got. Iowa State still got Texas and West Virginia, so. Oh, and you know what? Yeah, I think got, honestly, I think I think we're at the point. I think West Virginia is better than Iowa State right now. Um, so yeah, it, it's it, it's maybe not looking great for either of those Midwest teams. Uh, all right. Well, hope everyone out there enjoys Bedlam. Grant and I will be back next week to break it all down. So until then, for Grant, I am Lee. And this is West of Everest.